Hello, comrades near and far. Welcome back to Comradical, a comedy podcast about socialism and you. I'm Johnny Samyavati, your queer commie dad, and with me always, my hetero life mate. Haley Rose! That's me. I'm here. And today, we're going to go over some common misconceptions and uh, the life of the ultimate commie daddy. The original commie daddy. The commie granddaddy. The commie granddaddy. The guy that, like, you know, kind of started it Old all. Old happy comrade. Karl Marx. Karl Marx. Karl Marx! Coral! Coral Marx! Coral Marx. Coral Marx. Hi, I'm Coral Marx, and welcome back to Fresh Air. Where's Coral? So, okay. Karl Marx. What do we know about... Daddy, Daddy Carl, Daddy Marx. All right, so Karl Marx was born in 1818 in Trier, right, which we might know of. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce a bunch of stuff, and like Good. for a lot of Good. like the stuff that like, I wrote down, Fantastic. Uh, I wrote down the English translation, so that way I just Love don't Good. Miss Let's do it. pronounce the German Trier. stuff. Trier, a province uh, of the Kingdom of Prussia. So Germany. Not Russia? Not Pro- Russia. Pro- you sure it wasn't Russia? They not, just put not a P Russia. in there? No, it sounds a lot like Russia. It's it's not. So Completely separate entity. So in fact, Prussian. Yeah, there was a king of Prussia, and then there was like, you know, the, the royal family of Russia. Friedrich. Right. Friedrich. Free Friedrich. Friedrich the Great. Yeah. He was gay. Sure. sure. <laughs> um, is that what made him great? In my book. All right. But I, so, I, I mean, he, Alexander the Great was also great. Yeah. I Catherine mean, the Great. Yeah. Big lesbian. Catherine the Great. I think only, I think greatness historically is defined by homosexuality. I think it should be, but I doubt the history of that would hold up. I'm the one who has studied one semester of world history here, so... I'm going to school to become a history teacher, so I'm just going to go out on a limb, stab wildly in the dark, and hopefully land on... Ah! Oh! <laughs> and I'm right. Okay. So, born 1818, uh, his father was Heinrich Herschel Marx, uh, born 1777. Invented the chocolate bar. <laughs> died in 1838. Uh, no, but close. There actually is some branding going on here uh, oh. in, in Karl Marx's family. I like that. And that has way more to do with his mother, uh, Henriette, or Hen- Henriette uh, Pressburg. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, she was born in 1788. Died Invented the printing in press. Uh, no, 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 not not quite. Okay. Uh, his his mother was the daughter of a Dutch rabbi, and his father uh, was first first in the family to receive a secular education as a lawyer. Uh, and he owned a number of Moselle vineyards and uh was you know relatively like wealthy middle class his uh father's family had been like the rabbis so they were wine wine people um wine folk grape folk i i guess i don't know much about like very grateful that's kind of not my brand anymore you know for the last seven years (laughs) just you know march 10th yeah it was pretty tight pretty tight i don't know if i have Dig my it. coin on me i think i might have it in my pocket oh yeah no. between the last time we recorded and this time uh you got yourself seven years huh yeah i did i celebrated it's seven great. years clean and, and sober. sober off of any mood or mind-altering substances congratulations pretty tight thank you um couldn't have done it without you so oh. yeah no his family owned like you know uh all like uh vineyards so what you're telling me is that carl marx mm-hmm 
Daddy of the Movement, of the Revolution, Daddy of the Revolution is his full title, was a bourgeoisie, a petite bourgeoisie, vineyard-owning yeah. wine man. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, near the later on in life, uh, no, not really, okay. no. Um, you know, uh, at one point, you know, he relied very heavily upon uh, his father's inheritance because of just, like, you know, how they were kind of, like, struggling, you know, to uh, to get money. Um, because, like, you know, later on in life, he became a journalist, you know, and that job, you know, never been that great to anybody, for right. anybody. Okay. Um, and, uh, like, the the newspapers right would only pay him for like one article at one point but uh yeah he relied pretty heavily on uh like his father's income or his father's wealth for most of his education and uh yeah can relate can relate right so like you know for anybody out there that's uh, struggling and uh you know is like you know reliant upon like the, the income of your parents and stuff but, and you like, don't feel like a real revolutionary just remember like it's it's not about like you know your family it's about you and it's about like what you are willing to do for others because mm-hmm. you know i caught myself doing it i'm gonna stop right there oh yeah oh the the, the you know because you don't know because i'm trying to tell you okay so i like that um all right so <laughs> all right so when did Karl Marx begin the global Jewish conspiracy to take over the world. I was actually going to keep on going on about, like, his parents and his family for a minute. Oh, okay. So, like, we're not going to focus on uh, the big scary, and we're going to talk about uh, the humanity of this individual human person. Yeah. And not focus on what classifies them in society, but instead focus on their yeah, individual I, characteristics and get to know them as a person. Yeah, I want to kind of humanize Karl Marx because, like, you know, this is a guy that spent um, a majority of his life... Uh, learning and you know i keep on doing it uh he spent a majority of his life educating himself and this would go on to help educate other people and inspire like his writings inspired like a lot of people around the world for the next century to come right uh i think that like without um his writings without like you know man i keep doing it without him dedicating his life and going through the hardships that he did and trying to combine these interests into a whole new science right Mm -hmm. and to like start like a whole new movement that would come after the enlightenment era right i don't think that mankind would have ever made it to space because you know there was a very special country in my heart Mm -hmm. that uh you know did a lot of like the really big uh work you know, space a lot of like the work you know for space exploration and yeah. not not in the name of like you know domination or dominion simply in the interest of expanding humanity's horizons yeah i dig it so to learn me something about this young upstart college student named carl marx coral marx coral marx coral marx um I think that, like, uh, it's forgotten a lot that, you know, he came from a very Jewish background. Like I said, you know, uh, his mother was the daughter of a uh, Jewish rabbi. 
And uh, not that there's any other kinds, but uh, it turns out his father's family, I think since his grandfather in 1723 had actually been supplying the, the uh, town of Trier with the rabbis of uh, that town, right? And then uh, he converted to evangelical to the evangelical church of Prussia due to anti-Semitism. And even changing his name, that's why I said uh, Herschel, uh, you know, because that was his original Yiddish name, and he changed it uh, oh, to wow. Heinrich um, because of the anti-Semitism that was going wow. on in Russia. Yeah, so anti-Semitism, it didn't just start with the Nazis. No, no, it's, it's been around. It's been around. Ever. <laughs> so uh, he was actually a classical liberal that uh, loved Kant and Voltaire. He was a big oh, fan. Oh, I hear that a lot these days. The, 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 the term classical Kant. liberal yeah classical liberal yeah a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of really self-important Kants running yeah. around calling themselves classical liberals and spouting off alt-right neo-nazi propaganda yeah I have saying, a lot of oh I'm not a I'm not a conservative I'm a classical, classical liberal. liberal I oh, read really? Kant really I I bet you do I I bet you know you you love that Voltaire don't you oh uh, we love our Voltaire Voltaire oh crap right uh, Frenchy guy. All right, so like you know, do you know what the Enlightenment was? Yes. All right, it then, was one of the foundational principles of the or foundational philosophies of the American experiment. No. Yeah, I mean, like it was it was the baseline of what the founding fathers were reading when they decided to create a democratic republic as a sort of resurgence of ancient uh, political philosophies to try to recreate the Roman Empire. So, for people that don't know anything about, like, you know, uh, whatever college course that you took that you learned this from, yeah, for 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 the dumb dumbs out there like me, what right? is the Enlightenment? What is the Enlightenment? What's like the basis? Of the Enlightenment? Enlightenment was sort of a philosophical offshoot of the Renaissance, sort of a an aftershock, if you will. So, in the Renaissance, we became, you know, Western culture became extraordinarily obsessed with ancient thinkers. And so you see this resurgence in, you know, old, old, old Roman architecture and Greek statues and painting and stuff like that. Frescoes became really, really big and all that stuff. And so you see this huge resurgence in these artistic media, but there was a definite lack of sort of thinkers because at the time it was like art was made for monarchs mm -hmm. the wealthy the aristocracy and like it fed right into that system but the enlightenment came about around the time the the quote-unquote age of revolution in the 18th century uh and a bit into the 17th century of where europeans were starting to look into old lost documents translating greek thought uh pericles was a big player in all of that and um they would start tossing around ideas of democracy maybe it was like so early like, early it's so like skepticism yeah skepticism and this idea of like maybe the monarchy isn't the end-all be-all maybe there are other forms of government maybe let's look back and see if anything else is oh wow rome <laughs> so so you know something that's like based around like uh like the individual right or like you know uh or, or very big into individualism very big into rising up uh for yourself pulling yourself up by your bootstraps sort <laughs> of mentality of um and that was actually historically used as a criticism of enlightenment thinking was they had this idea of like pull yourself up 
well, they had this idea of like, you need to rise yourself up out of oppression. You need to that's put your... how it works. <laughs> right. And so the, the criticism of that thinking was actually, oh, what? You're going to try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps? That's stupid. Well, it's an impossible <laughs> thing to do. And now all of a sudden you have this, this idea of like, oh, you can just, you can just the secret and put on your vision board i want to be a rich person and then the aristocracy <sighs> will just let you do that <laughs> like that was the criticism and so enlightenment thinking was very flawed but also revolutionary for its time and it was the foundational idea like i said for when you know slave states and colonies and all of these people who were being oppressed by this imperialist mentality of the time were like hey how about how about fuck this and like that was good. Good. Good good to say fuck this to the monarchy and to imperialism. Bad to say, well now let's 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 us do it. Cuz that was the next step of enlightenment thinking is become the monarchy. Yeah, you know, uh to to pretty much challenge the 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 system that was based around religion at the time yes. it was just like unheard of. Right. You know, and like I just said before like, you know, th- this is a man that like literally had to change his religion in order to practice this yeah. profession of helping people which uh you know um brings me to his uh mother right uh wealthy from a wealthy dutch family I remember how i was telling you there's going to be some branding going on here i like it uh her family i think it was her uh her sister's husband's kid Huh? Which means her niece or nephew her started. Sister's husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think nephew. that's how it goes, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, started Philips Electronics. Oh shit. Yeah, and this really? is really yeah, and this is also I think, uh, I think I think his name was Leon or yeah Leon. There's definitely a Philips electronic device somewhere nearby. Hey, everybody has one. Yeah. So yeah, the Philips Electronics. They have you know a link to to communism. To the actual Karl Marx. To the actual Karl Marx. and It, was I, his, it would have been his cousin. Yeah, and I believe it was that cousin that withheld a lot of uh, the inheritance. It was like six or 5,000 francs, which at the time was like a lot of money back yeah. then. Uh, later on, after his father passes away, um, and he was really close to his dad, you know, which that like, I, yeah, I can totally feel. Because like his dad, you know, like definitely pushed him to like, you know, do a lot. Like when he was uh, going to college later on, yeah. um, he... Uh, What's, what's the word? He uh, kind of just, like, did, like, any other kid in their first semester of college just kind of, like, dicked around and Got drank a lot. A yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Good to know some things yeah. never change. Nothing changes there. And so, like, you know, his grades fell on his dad, you know, really pushed him. Like, you know, it's great that you want to do, like, philosophy and, like, history and all this stuff. Carl, but like, how, how about how about becoming a lawyer? How about yeah, I think that's a that's a better profession. Why don't you go go to school? Why and become, don't you become a lawyer? Why don't you become a lawyer? <laughs> Come on, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm a lawyer, you know. Like yeah, well, I do you good can still for study philosophy yeah. and write in your free time. You can do what you want, but while you you're need not to be- keep a roof over your head. Well, you're not being alienated from your labor. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, hmm, alienation. And he scribbled something down yeah. hurriedly in a notebook. <laughs> yeah. It's wild because, like, even, like, his dad was actually kind of an activist, too. He, like, fought for reforms, you know, against uh, the full monarchy that Prussia was living under at the time and wanted uh, reforms for, like, a constitution, right? And this is around, like, 1815 and stuff. And uh, he, like, all right. So they get married, 
right? Like mm-hmm. his mom and his dad, and like they have like a vineyard and everything. They like end up like living in like a freaking nine or ten room mansion and stuff. So like his early life was actually like pretty good. This is a guy that like you would think like I should have no complaints about how this system is working out. Right, for it's me. working out pretty well for you, bud. Yeah, right. Coral, coral. Um, and so like you know he's the third of nine children. And uh, he eventually ends up becoming the oldest son. He didn't start out that way. Yikes. I mean, that's yeah. old-timey times for you. Old-timey times. And in 1824, uh, he's baptized, you know, into the, the Lutheran church. Uh, mm-hmm. His mother, like, the next year after him. He's educated by his father until he's 12, you know, 1830. And that's when he, his father puts him into a liberal school. Oh, no. Is it a liberal arts school? A liberal arts school. <laughs> Puts him into a liberal school that was rated in 1832. So that's only like two years of like you know being active. Yeah, like like getting like that 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 foundation of like you know um, okay, so the system isn't working for everybody, you know, because these were these were not unheard of ideas. It's just the way in which everybody thought like how should we change it right. was a little bit different, just like it is today. Um, so that school is raided in 1832 and apparently spreading information like, you know, like teaching children liberalism like Voltaire and like uh, uh, Kant was like considered an act of sedition. They switched up everything. They changed out a lot of the like, you know, teachers in that school and stuff. And I think that was like kind of a galvanizing moment in his life of like, oh, shit, wait a minute. Yeah, All the stuff like, that I've been really digging is suddenly like illegal this that sounds pretty punk that's, that's pretty punk rock so, so he decided his punk rock revolutionary spirit was i'm gonna read a shit ton of voltaire yeah pretty much yeah just like any other punk and it's like a hundred years later i mean yeah i mean like it's 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 ironic because literally <laughs> it's super ironic because literally that's what young revolutionary kids do now with Marx. yeah is like oh man fuck the system what do i where do i go to learn about how fuck this si- oh shit Karl marx I, I heard of him yeah and you read it and you're all of a sudden like i'm six a communist years i heard it in the sex pistol song yeah, like- so, well, you start off you hear it in sex pistol song that you're an anarchist and you're like all right i guess i'm an anarchist well, there's another verse where he says that he's a communist too yeah. so he really had no idea what he, he was, was talking about he was just an idiot <laughs> sid vicious sid, here's the thing about sid vicious and fuck i have him. it i have it on good authority, an actual punk rock historian from Canada, Sam Sutherland, came on my podcast, my comedy podcast, Snub Dub, did uh-huh. an interview with him, and from the horse's fucking mouth, he said, Sid Vicious is a mistake. <laughs> Because the Sex Pistols had a really good thing going, and they decided to make a cartoon rabbit play bass for them, and then gave that cartoon rabbit drugs. Yeah. And that was what they did, and they completely fucked up, and that ruined the Sex Pistols. And they were really good. Eh, they were alright. They were great, but then they fucking gave a bass to a fucking cartoon rabbit. The dicks were so much better, like, you can't even fight me on this. X was so much better. The dicks were, like, the best punk band ever, and I... I will accept no alternative. Fair. Besides maybe the big boys, but that's still technically like the I dicks, like X later. because uh, they had a woman. Openly gay punk band in Texas. Okay. Exactly. That's fair. Exactly. I mean, a woman, it takes, anywhere, like, a woman in a punk scene anywhere, though. It, yeah, all right. A woman in a punk scene anywhere. And, like, as much as I want to say, like, you know, bad brains, like, everybody no. else is probably, like, screaming. Everyone's screaming yeah. bad brains at us. Like, I'm going to okay. go on record right now and they say they were homophobic, homophobic as, as hell. Yeah. The big boys, that band yeah. I was telling you about just a second ago, they they literally let bad brains stay in their or crash in, like, mm-hmm. their apartment or whatever. And, like, you know, 
the the this is like in texas it's like you know gays and black people like you know mm-hmm. back in like the the living like, together yeah, like, mass hysteria <laughs> yeah right in a punk band show like so they like let him stay the next morning like the big boys wake up right and like the the, the bad brains apparently like left a note that's like and stole all their weed yeah fucked up right yo like i, I know don't, i don't do it anymore listen, but, man, like you can be homophobic all you want but don't steal their weed yo <laughs> come on man like, yeah they steal all the damn weed, right? <laughs> and then they leave a note saying, "Oh, you're gonna burn in hell for your bad ways, yeah." Like or some shit. Like I, I said it like a German, but like yeah, yeah, you you, you get, <laughs> yeah, you're going to burn in your hell for your bad ways, yeah. Yeah, this is where we find out that HR was like an act, like he was a Nazi that went <laughs> undercover. No, HR cool. struggles with mental health. He does are his own issue. But that but not, homophobic, but homophobia, yeah, not cool. Go fuck yourself. I'm not cool. Not cool. All right, mental illness. All right, but yeah. like homophobia is not like a mental illness. Fuck you. Yeah, no. Homoph- so like <laughs> <laughs> your homophobia is not a mental illness. Yeah, like, go on record saying it's not ableist for me to say fuck you. Exactly. All right. So all right. Off track. Yeah. No. Totally. But you know, we, we, we're trying. I, I want to fill uh, a, a, your minds as much of like who Karl Marx was as a person because his ideas, right? That's a whole other podcast. That's yeah. like some people's whole careers, and I'm trying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm one man, and I'm really I'm stressed. One person. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm working really hard. I'm really stressed. So, um, um, well, why don't we get further into this story? Okay. So after he, we take I, a little I break. At, I was at what? He's like 13, right? Well, we're going to take a little break. All right. We're going to take a little break for our, 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 uh, our, our sponsors. Sponsors. Not the kinds that I have, but the kind we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. All right, comrades, it's time for Solidarity. This episode of Comradical is brought to you by Trans Artist of the Day on Twitter. Uh, Listen, we're all looking for new art to enjoy and artists to support. I'm out there every day just crawling through mud, uh, you know, mud, blood, tears, everything. Eating snakes. Eating snakes. Uh, And so if you are like me and this desperate to find good artists to support online, why not go to Twitter and follow Laura Platt at Laura Platt Music. Um, Laura Platt is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful musician. Um, and all of. Quickly go to Twitter to find out their pronouns. Oh, thank you. And all of her music is on Spotify. Um, you can also find her. At uh, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Laura Platt, L-A-U-R-A-P-L-A-T-T. Um, and uh, she's absolutely fantastic. We just went yeah. on Spotify and uh, gave her a listen. And good golly, Miss Molly. She does a bunch of covers of... Snake Just a bunch of covers of video game music, uh, a bunch of original stuff as well, some stuff from movies and TV like Game of Thrones. Our personal favorite, if you're going to go listen to anything, listen to uh, the cover she did with um, Jordy, uh, Jordy Francis um, on Spotify of 
uh, Snake Eater from Metal Gear Solid it. 3, Snake Eater, the, the <laughs> opening theme song. Snake Eater. It's like super heartfelt and soulful, and yeah. I love it. It's just piano and vocals, and it it's, it's super stripped down. It's super hot, and we love it. So go support this wonderful artist. And once again, the Twitter is at Laura Platt Music. That's L-A-U-R-A-P-L-A-T-T-M-U-S-I-C. Laura Platt Music. Um, we are also, uh, extending solidarity to another podcast on the network, and that podcast is Artificial Ghost Radio. Artificial Ghost Radio is a wonderful podcast hosted by our dear friends Mars and Miles, who- we, Oh, what? Yeah, we played- Crikey! Crikey! <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Grouse! Um, so we, we play D&D with them, so we, we have a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful podcast where they talk about music and pop culture. They usually have a theme where they both bring a song that centers around a theme and they talk about it and, uh, just kind of have a very accessible attitude towards music. It's not too like, oh, the, the C diminished chord of the 15th measure. Keep your elitism away. So we, we stand this show. Mars and Miles are fabulous, fabulous hosts and really, really good friends. Uh, and please go give them a listen. They air every single Saturday only on Lunar Light Studio. Guys, guess what? What's up? I know we've been looking for a great Overwatch podcast, and I think I just found the perfect one. Another one? Do they do a ton of esports coverage, too? Nope, they're filthy casuals, just like us. Okay, but are they, like, super boring jerks? Or are they really toxic, like a lot of the community? No, they're total friends, and they're really welcoming to both new and experienced players. Okay, cool. They sound alright, but are they, like, obsessed with Overwatch? I mean, it is great, but there are other video games. They really make me work for No, in fact, they talk about a different video game every episode. Huh. Maybe that is worth my time. What's it called? Overwitch. Like, like a magic spell switch kind of witch? No, kind of like which game you should play. You are f- that is not a great name for a podcast. Yeah, that's not It's a not good one. the best name. Just give it a try. He certainly wasn't missing from the game, but yeah, it's uh-huh. a fun addition. I want to talk about how this game tackles minorities. So he's not Torbjorn anymore, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, he's actually Torbjorn's little brother, Morbjorn. Overwitch is a proud member of Lunar Light Studio. Catch us every other Friday. Okay, so back to the marks. That school he was at was rated in 1832. By October 1835, at 17, uh, went to the University of Bonn to study philosophy and literature, even though his father, like I said, insisted uh, that, you know, he uh, go for law. law. Uh, And he decided, fuck you, old man, I'm going to read philosophy. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Things must have been pretty boring back then. Kind of, you know, uh, but he got a couple breaks, you know, he had a condition called quote unquote weak chest. Uh, I, I can, I can identify, you know, I can, <laughs> I, I can identify with that. Um, cause like I have like a heart condition, you know, mm-hmm. and also my sternum cracks and, uh, cool. you know, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. And then I also have like, you know, 
uh, sickness induced asthma or whatever. Maybe it's one of those three things. Maybe like that's all what of I have them. In, maybe all of them. Maybe that's maybe what you're I have. the reincarnation of Karl Marx. Yeah, right. Maybe I don't Who know. Knows? I got I gotta I gotta find uh, some medical diagnoses of yeah, right. Daddy to, Marx to to keep me out of being enlisted into war. because <laughs> 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 yeah, that's how we got out of military service. That's I fine. see. There's a lot of a lot of wars happening around this time. Yeah. Um, I think there's there had been one <laughs> going <yeah. laughs> on for approximately 100 years. So um, he then joined the Poets Club, uh, which was monitored by the police for political radicalism. Of course, he, right. he's, of course, this you know guy interested in philosophy and theory that went to a liberal school. It's like, you know, I have poetry. Uh, I love poetry. You know, um, and then he also joined the Trier Tavern Club Drinking Society, of which he became the co-club president. Hell yeah! <laughs> president of getting drunk. Um, in, in Germany. Yeah. At the University of Bonn. Wonderful. B- uh, Bonn. Even though I think it was still Prussia at the time. So, um, 1836, he even had a duel with a member of the Bow Russian Corps. I honestly did no research on what the Bow Russian Corps is. It's like literally, it's spelled like B O Russian K O R P S. I don't want to find myself on some alt-right page and getting really angry, so I didn't even bother looking it up. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, these you know. days, for sure. But I just think it's kind of, like, rad that, like, you know, this dude went to, like, you know, college, you know. He's already not listening to his wealthy parents, right, mm. that are paying for all of it. Right. He's joining the Poet Club. Yeah. Or Poet Society. He <laughs> monitored for political <laughs> radicalism. Um, he joined the Drinking Club. <laughs> the Drinking Club. <laughs> the Drinking Club. And then got into a duel. Yeah. Like a guns duel? Yeah, that's what. That's, yeah, like what? What kind of duel do you think it was? I don't know, like, swords or something? Nah, slaps, nah. fisticuffs, drinking contest. Uh, maybe uh, no. But I think that like at the time, like a dueling, wizards duel. Dueling was no. There's there's no. There's, this is Europe. This this is not Middle Earth or Hogwarts or whatever. He wasn't. I don't think it was a castle. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Does does the University of Bonn have a castle? Does University of Bonn is a castle? Is the it, rumor come out? Yeah, it was like you know the magical. Does Karl Marx is gay? Did Karl Marx go to Hogwarts? Is, is Karl Marx a wizard? Is he? You're is, a wizard, Karl. He has a pretty wicked ass beard. Well, why? <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> All right. Uh, why aren't everyone wizards in Europe? Yeah, no, well, why don't we just give admittance to everyone to Hogwarts so that they have a chance to learn about these things? Why are we hoarding information from the masses, Haggard? No, Carl, you're just, you're a wizard. No, you have to answer some questions. <laughs> why do I have to pay to get into this? Yeah, this why is this, from- why can't we just centralize this sort of a also, thing? Also, and- why does only one group of people that looks very strangely like a Nazi-era caricature of a Jewish person managing all the money at the bank? Yeah. Yeah. Questions. Questions. Hagrid. Hagrid. Rowling. Rowling. Terrible writer. <laughs> All right. What? They just shit their pants instead of using the toilets before they inter- they invented toilets because they're wizards and they didn't need Harry Potter. All right. So soon his grades fell, of course, because like you know he's in the poet club. He's drinking all the time, getting into duels, and just like being rowdy y'all yeah and so like he's a rowdy uh, boy yeah he's a rowdy boy and so like as soon as grades fell and his father forced him into the university of berlin okay we stand um 
and he became more serious about his life, uh, you know, after that in 1836. Uh, that's also the time he meets Jenny. So he quit the drinking club. I don't is know all he did. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, he, quit, he quit the drinking club, and he started uh, not dueling people. No, no, not getting into, like, probably, like, political, drunken, slurred political arguments, you know, with some dude in the military. That like, lead to actual gunfights. <laughs> exactly. And then he's like, why aren't, why aren't you in the military? And he's like, I have weak chest. I have chest. a weak chest. <laughs> <laughs> I had a spot on my lung. Uh, all right, so that's actually the same year that he meets Jenny von Westphalen. Oh, or Westphalen. Love. Yeah, forever Aww. and ever. Aww. Yeah, there's actually a really good book I think called Jenny and Carl that goes over like you know it has like yeah it has like their love notes and everything I, I think in it, and it goes over like the hardships and she's that they like, went through. She's like my dearest Carl. Yeah, I, I long I long for the the caress of your whiskers on my face. And he's like, Yo, my, my dearest Jenny, I long for a day when the proletariat will not be impressed by <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I think it's called Carl and Jenny. Uh, I will make sure that I figure that out and mm-hmm. link that, you know, when we post the, the tweet or whatever for this. Yes. Because I'm a terrible podcaster, but, like... Um, she actually broke off an engagement to some aristocrat to be with him, and uh, they got married in 1843. So I Aww. think it was like seven years of, of them like being together before they were married. And also, it was like it was like really bad. He's not that rich, <clears throat> not an aristocrat, not an aristocrat. And I believe her uh, uncle, right, or no, her father, who actually liked him, was also a uh, like a very liberal. You know, aristocrat of that time. A classical liberal. A classical liberal, you know, of the aristocracy, which... It's valid. Still sucks. (laughs) But, you know, um, I think that, like, he helped him out as best he could. Um, So, yeah, 1836, arrives in Berlin, meets, you know, the love of his life. And this is, like, when uh, he really starts getting into, like, philosophy, Right, and not just, like, dicking around, getting drunk, getting into fights. Um, God, what a punk. Yeah, right? Uh, this is also the same time that, like, he gets into Hegel, who was uh, pretty popular at the time, but also pretty recently dead. Um, you know, So he was like, fuck yeah, metal, and he yeah. like, moved on. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I mean, like, that's the thing is that, like, you know, he became, like, one of those, like, art punks, you know? Oh, that, I love like, it. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And, like, Hegel was, like, the Marx of Marx's time. Because, like, you know, he had, like, these uh, very... Radical ideas. Yeah, pretty rad. He was, like, an Enlightenment-type guy. Um, and even, like, you know, uh, I'll get to this in a second, but dialectics, right? Mm-hmm. Marx's, you know, version of dialectics is Hegel's just turned upside down at, in his own words. Or, like, it was on its head, and he flipped it around. Um, and that's where you end up with, like, dialectical materialism and, you know, historical materialism, which, you know, are philosophies that, like... He helped create, and people, like, used a lot of, like, his ideas to create them, Mm. right? We'll get to that in a a minute, but, like, yeah, Hegel, uh, if you're going to read it, it's, like, the most uh, over-wordy, like, just garbage. But if you end up, like, reading Capital, which is, like, his magnum opus, um... It will definitely help you. Yeah, you know, um, as long, far as yeah, intense. It, it it is it is, but like it's literally it's like four parts, right? 
there's like a, a an unofficial fourth part, right? But it's technically three, and it was like you know the everything that he had been working on, like you know uh, at near the end of his life, was pretty much put into capital. That's like his his that's his, th- his thing. The culmination his, of all his thoughts. Yeah, pretty much. Like he, like hmm. I think probably all of his thoughts like. Um, maybe like 10 years after he gets into college or something or right around this time is like the start of it. But everything that he had learned right near the end of his life was put into capital. You know, that's also why it was like so important to his Biffle, uh, that he meets later angles that like, you know, he published it, you know, I think the other two volumes were published, uh, posthumously, Mm -hmm. but, um, okay. So let's get through. Yeah, I'm skipping ahead here. I'm, yeah, I'm ju- jumping around wildly. Wild man, all rowdy boy. J- you know, j- you're in the hi- rowdy boy phase. Hi- hippity hoppity, jumping around all over the place. All like wim- a like a cartoon like, rabbit with a bass guitar. Wimbly nimbly, like a cat. Cool. <laughs> Where are we at <laughs> in the story? All right, so um, I'll just go to like you know 1837. Um, he joins the Young Hegelians. Uh, you know. Um, and they're like critical. Uh, th- that's the funny thing is that like uh, that that I thought was funny is uh, the young Hegelians. They literally based like their club off of this guy Hegel, but like his like major ideas, which were like the metaphysical ones about like the ultimate truth is out there. You just have to find the right question or some garbage, you know, or like all questions must lead from like the the singular question for the ultimate answer. Or some insane thing mm-hmm. that honestly sounds like a really bad premise to like a, a Netflix cult. series, but yeah, cult too. Um, Netflix series cult, it's the same thing. It's like the same thing. So like you know, uh, they're pretty critical of his metaphysical ideas and assumptions, but like you know, they really love his uh, his dialectical method, right? And dialectics, right? Uh, you've heard me say this word like mm-hmm. a couple times. Yeah, it's uh, Elrod Humbert, right? No, not not at all. No. Oh, that's Dianetics. That's Dianetics. No, dialectics that's, is yeah. that is a pyramid scheme and a cult. Okay. All right. Well, we got there. We got there. All right. Please don't sue us. Oh, they're suing us. No, yeah, probably. We're gonna, probably going to get a cease Hey, and fuck desist. Scientology. Honestly, if you have actually listened this far and you're a Scientologist, like... Still? Still, like... <laughs> if you listen to the first one. Yeah, yeah right? Like, what? <laughs> a, I, I, can I just have a conversation with you? How did you find us? B, why did you keep listening? C, what the fuck? Yeah, right? Like, are you allowed on Twitter if you're a Scientologist? No, no. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's how the aliens get in your belly button, right? Is like, through Twitter, you know. Or I definitely am full up of aliens like, right now. If there's one place that's gonna be filled, I with check like, one trending hashtag, and my belly's full of aliens. What I do gotta they, get purged? What, what do they call it? The, the 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 remedy lady? Thetans. No, no, like the the people. Like you're like a bad processors. Person. Oh, no, you're a bad person. What is it like? You're like a everyone else. You're an apostate or something. It's <laughs> fucking banana. <laughs> like, Anyway, so yeah, dialectics. Um, dialectics, right, is uh, a reflection of the real world created by man, a method under which one can examine personal, social, and economic behaviors, right? So, like, what makes, like, uh, the dialectical method different than, like, the scientific method, right, is that, like, the dialectical method uh, isn't based around just, like, cause and effect. Like, something happens, and then this thing happens because of that. Dialectics is, like, way more about, like, there are a number of things happening at once that are helping cause. It's not just one thing. There are combined factors that, like, create the reality around us. 
you know, and that's also like, you know, when we talk about having like a material understanding, we're talking about looking at like the, the things, right. The material conditions around us, not realism, just the, uh, yeah, not theoretical, not, not uh, idealist, not like, you know, just ideas, ideas don't like, kind of like how our recovery tells us that like, you know, you can't just like think your way into like you know fixing stuff. You right. can't just like talk your way. You have into to figure stuff. out how you got where you are and and what that means for where you're going. That's to help you understand it. But if you want to change something, you gotta do something. Right. So it's you can't about just like live in your brain. Yeah, it's about the material things that are happening around you, not just like you know the ideas that are floating around. It's kind of like how you know the the, the alt right and stuff, right? Yeah, they can have all the ideas and talk and stuff all they want. Like, we're not so much scared of, like, you know, what, like, some racist, anti-Semitic, ignorant, you know, jackass says. We're scared of, like, when they start, like, putting it into action and actually right. trying to, like, you know, create the Run ethno- for office. Yeah, exactly. Bring guns to Stone Mountain National Park. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that's that's uh, dialectics, uh, and this is also around the same time that his father dies in 1838, uh, and he, you know, started writing fiction around the same time. Yeah, right. Really? Yeah, he wrote wow. fiction first, uh, first like two or three stories, but they were not published in his lifetime. They were published later. Oh wow! Uh, I think like one. I, I'm sorry, I didn't write it down, but one of them was called like the Scorpion and the something. It had like a badass title. Neat. It had Scorpion in it. Scorpion and the Frog. Or Scorpion and like the Feather or something. I forget. Cool. Sounds forget. like a Tom Clancy novel. Oh, probably. Fuck Tom Clancy. This is way cooler. But I, I'll, <laughs> I'll probably check it out at some point. I don't know when. Uh, when I ever have like a free moment. Um. So, like, you know, 1841, his buddy uh, Bruno Bauer, uh, they were going to start up, like, a collection of writings called the Atheist Archives. Yo, he's, like, legit, like, one of us, you know? He yeah, had his, like, like, a fucking edgy atheist yeah. phase, right? Because, like, him and his buddy, they got drunk, right, in class. They started laughing in a church, right, later on in the what day. What the fuck? And they finished out the night... Riding donkeys through the streets. What the fuck? That yeah. sounds like a great night. Right? It sounds like the reason one becomes a drug addict. Karl like- <laughs> Marx was like the OG fucking rowdy boy. He was. Jesus Christ. Like, he was legit. Literally, that's the equivalent today of getting drunk yeah. in class. Yeah. Laughing in a church. And then going for a drunk drive down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't support. I don't support. I don't support. But, Yo, uh, but like, also, if it's donkeys, it's slower, less dangerous. Less first dangerous. Of all. Second of all, fuck. Yeah, bro. <laughs> like you and your boy just like riding donkeys down the street. That's how you finish out the night. Fuck yeah, I we stand. So yeah, that was him and his boy Bruno ba- ba- Bauer. Did he uh, go on and do anything cool? Uh yeah, like you know Bruno Bauer like helped him you know do a lot of stuff. Uh, right, like for like a newspaper later on. Like I said, uh. they were trying to do the atheist archives, but it like never took off. Right. Um, 1842, he moved to Cologne and becomes a journalist for the Rhineland News. Okay. Right? Uh, and writing articles critical of even liberals and other socialists. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he was, like, fucking getting ready to throw down. Yeah, he's like, no, nah, everybody, all these people got it wrong. Because, like, you know, you got to understand that, like, there what was, was a... What was socialism before him? before him right or or even like during his time there was a lot of like utopian idealism like that like i know that like 
we all love the fully automated gay space luxury capital or <laughs> wow wow luxury communism. uh communism Right. Fully automated gay space luxury capitalism yeah, there, there is, you go. is Wally. It's it's pretty like utopian though. Like you know, you're you're skipping a lot of steps to get there. And right. That's like if we even have like the like the it's necessary. a great thing to to laugh and high five about. Yeah. Always. But like, but always. Always. <laughs> like we stand in utopia, but 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 feasibly, it's not Reg, that Reggie, Reggie feasibly. We got to think about this. Yeah. We gotta take steps. Action. Action. Materialism. Action. Dialectics. There you go. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, now it's making sense, right? You all know? right, cool. Kind of right, like right. how, like, you know, all right, look, uh, because this is going to be, like, a little bit of a theory-laden episode, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna give my own personal thing here. You know, kind of like how uh, a lot of anarchism doesn't really have an answer for, like, you know, okay. No, you, literally, I <laughs> let me take the reins here, because I know you probably had, like, a brief anarchy phase, but, like, I was fucking, like, diehard, like, ride-or-die anarchist when I was, like, younger, and then I was sort of, like, I'm an anarchist, you know, whatever, yeah. um, for a while, because, like, I still, still hold in my heart, you know, the state as an institution is a crutch for people to get along, and should not be necessary, but is. It's a necessary evil to keep people in line. But anarchy is fuck burn it down, <laughs> burn it down. And then socialism, communism is. Yo, we need that uh, shit to yeah, like. We, wait, we hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. I need that road to get to the <laughs> farmers market to buy food for my family. Fucking burn it down! It's you a road. can't just you can't burn a road. Down. That's a nuclear power plant. Like you can't. Fucking burn it down! Like, no, that that will kill us all. You like you can't. We need that. There are there are feasible. You have to think about the implications of your actions. Fucking burn it down! And you can't just like expect that everybody is just gonna get along. And honestly, it sounds kind of authoritarian to just like kill anybody that disagrees with you post revolution. Because mm-hmm. like some people, they just have like bad ideas, and they just need fucking read a book. Yeah, take a look. Just... It's in a book. Lavar Burton made me a communist. Knowledge is power. So and <laughs> power is half the battle. <laughs> power. Yeah, I don't know if it, that's the one, but yeah, that's like that's close. So fucking. <laughs> okay, so we're we were talking about. Right. There were other socialists and liberals, and he was taking pot shots, just oh, being like, "All that's you like fuckers." The rest of his life is yeah. just him throwing shade. Oh yeah, no, even like later so on. So what like... you're telling me about Karl Marx is Karl Marx was born to a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. His dad was like, "Go to college, become a lawyer," mm-hmm. and he was like, "Fuck that! I want to read books and philosophy and history and history." And so he did that, and he was like, "Everything's fucked. Fuck the church." Fuck everything. I'm going to get drunk. I'm an atheist. I'm going to fight people. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to laugh in church. I'm going to get drunk in school. I'm going to read books that I don't want to. I'm going to write fiction with cool badass titles. Uh Edgelord titles. Yeah. And then for the rest of his life, he was like, fuck you. And they were like, why? And he was like, you're wrong. And they were like, why? Here's a pamphlet. Why? Here's Here's a a fucking pamphlet. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing pamphlets left and right. Yeah. And they were just like, what the fuck, Karl Marx? What are you doing? He's like, fuck you. Fuck the church. I'm going home. Give me my donkey. (laughs) Like just, (laughs) he just ride out of there. And nobody could prove him wrong. So he was just a ride or die academic. 
Yeah, kind of. But, like, he was also a journalist. He wrote a lot of articles. Um, he was also trying to, like, organize parties, you know, later on. He was, like, doing a lot. There was actually a period of his life, like, 13 years, like, and this is at a, another time where, like, he wants to just learn about economics and, like, you know, learn about, like, you know, capitalist mode of production. And, like, you know... He was just dragged away from it, literally. Couldn't couldn't read about like economics. Instead, it's just like, yo, can you edit my newspaper article? <laughs> or like, hey, can you draw porn of my OC? <laughs> no, <laughs> noin, <laughs> fucking, like he that or he was like doing political organizing. Like he was like trying to organize like a lot of like revolutionary movements. But wherever he, in his like, free time, where. he was writing Capital. In his free time, he was literally working on things that would be the necessary pieces for capital. He has, there's another book that was published. It's like 800 pages worth of notes that went into what would become capital. But okay. it's like the rough sketch. It's, it's kind of manuscripts. Like, yeah, it's like the manuscript. I've flipped through those and it's fucking. It's wild. It's a, but like, it's a trip. Here's the thing though. When you're reading, there's like, if you're going to read Marx, you, you should also know like the timeline that like these things are coming out. Because like I said, like, you know he goes through an evolution of change where like you know he starts out as like you know pretty hegelian you know um and he starts you know pretty enlightenment like he likes like feuerbach which is like this other guy like stayed out in the woods and like never came to the conclusions that like you know marx did because he like wasn't in society he wasn't living in like right he didn't see the hood like he wasn't he he was the workers he wasn't seeing the shit you know so what you're saying is that Marx was like he implanted himself in society so that he could observe it and then yeah. acted as a counterpoint to everyone who said, We should all love each other and get along. And he's no, because like, the guy and he in was the like, office is a dickhead. Yeah, he was, he was like, You know, we should all love each other and get along. And he's like, Well, how are you going to fucking make sure that everybody does that? Yeah. I don't fucking know. And then liberals were like, hey, things are great the way they are. We just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. He's like, fucking, how are you going to do that with a brick on your head? Like, fucking, and what are you Hegel doing? was like, we need to find the ultimate truth. And he was just like, what fucking ultimate truth? I want to eat. <laughs> I want to eat. <laughs> Fuck you. So that's great. But here's my question. When's Chipoy show up? He's coming. Okay. He's coming. Uh, and also, like, without, you know, his his best friend for life, yeah, I, no. I, I really feel like you... When's wouldn't... your boy Angle's coming? Okay, so, uh, you know, around, uh, you know, 1842, he had moved to, like, Cologne, right? Uh, and he was Everything right, smelled and was, great. You know, he was, like, talking smack about, like, liberals and socialists and, of course, like, reactionaries and, like, conservatives of the time or whatever. And, like, Fascists. Here's the thing. Um, also, royalty. He wrote an article about uh, Sar Nicholas I, or, or one, you know, as some people like to call him, Sar Nicholas the First. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the the royal monarch of Russia, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. one of them. Mm-hmm. I don't. There's like a billion of them. Um, and he was uh, the the father of the the one that died, uh, the, or grandfather they, the, of the one that died. I, I don't know. I thought they all died. Well, they all died, but the one that you like know, gang gang like fucking. They had yep. it coming, but yep. uh, you know we of course missed a few. That's why there's a Netflix show about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the opening, really. Uh, they, they were they were they were bad people. They, they weren't that great. No, 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 no. I'm just saying no. that that guy got lineages. Yeah, that guy. They're all Habsburgs. Sar Sar Nick Sar T Sar Nicky I right got. Yo, what up? I'm T Sar Nicky I. T Sar Nicky I. I'm here to spin records. Taking all your ruples. I'm here to spin records and make ruples. Prima nocta. Hide your girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hide your girl. 
I'm here to fuck shit up. Somebody <laughs> pour that shizip. Ah, god Somebody damn. pour that shizip. So, he actually got, like, his article, like, taken out of the presses. Well, and, of course like, he did. Yeah. He was a fucking insurrectionist. The the silent... Not not so much an insurrectionist, but he was definitely, like... He, he was a seditionist. He was definitely, like, talking smack and aiming high. Yeah. Like... Well, that's um, fucking... <laughs> at this point, I expect nothing less of Karl, Karl Marx. So, yeah, that got Holy taken shit. down. What um, a fucking rowdy boy. Yeah, like, you know, if royalty is noticing your name and, like, you know... And being like, shut this guy up. Yeah, like, and this is still pretty early. That's like, pretty rowdy. Yeah, he was a rowdy, rowdy boy. Uh, 1842, he moves to Cologne, becomes a journalist... Uh, or, no, wait, I already said this one. All right. He moves to Paris... In 1843, because yeah. you know, all right, I need I need to move. Obviously, Rock now they know. And this is post this is post revolution pre Napoleonic. Yeah, I believe so. He was they they, uh, they they he actually wrote like a pamphlet about like you know the the about was it Bonaparte the second, mm-hmm. right? I think he thought he was like a just a just a total dunce, just a total. Dickweed. It's wild to think about these things happening in conjunction of just like yeah. these, these major players moving around. I mean, it's a it's a great man of history kind of way of looking at it, but. It's it's wild to think about just like these people who we read about all the time as yeah. like major players in history just sort of like rolling about through Europe and shit and like Thomas Jefferson's fucking coming over smoking weed being a slave owner and yeah. fucking being an absolute yeah. terrible you, you person. Want, you want to hear some crazy crap? You know they were like Engels and Carl were writing to Abraham Lincoln at the time, right? Holy shit, I love this. Yeah. I fucking love this. Yeah. The world is one place. We are one humanity. Yeah, it's wild. That's dialectics. It's all interconnected. They like he actually was working uh this is later on um I'll oh, I gotta to read it. those fucking letters. Yeah, I know. Um, Abraham Lincoln just be like, I don't know if he ever responded. Excuse though. me, Karl Marx. I'm not sure if he ever responded. But. Wait, I received your letter. I'm a bit confused as to its content. All I managed to translate from the German was "fuck you." <laughs> I hope this isn't what you what meant is, to write. What does "ficker do" mean? <laughs> what is, what's "ficker do" mean? <laughs> So, uh, he moved to Paris, uh, because, like, you know, shit, uh, I gotta move somewhere else where they're gonna publish my articles. And out of country to get away from the fucking monarchy. Um, and he moved to 1843, because I think it was, uh, Arnold Rouge, or whatever, was, like, uh, offering him a job, or chased him out. It's one or the other with Carl. Not an important person. It's either offered a job <laughs> or kicked out. Yeah. So um, this is also the same year that his daughter is born. His daughter's name is Jenny. If you're interested in plays, uh, she actually played a very large part in, uh, I believe it was a dollhouse. Jenny, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Jenny Marks had like a lot to do with making sure that like, Ibsen. you know. Yeah. Ibsen. Uh, was the father, also the father also of writing, realism, and he was also writing at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, she helped, uh, I believe, archive like a lot of like the early plays and stuff like that. Uh, there's another person in the room that probably knows like way more about this than I do, but uh, I'll I'll leave that to to the professionals. Um, and so, uh, German and French annals, I believe, was the name of the paper. I don't know. I don't. I can't say that in French or German. It's a uh, German and French annals. Yeah, that's what the the paper was called. That like you know that guy Arnold was offering me okay. a job at, right? Uh, Arnold. Yeah, and he later worked for another paper called. Uh, I, I I wrote down the German one just because it's fun to say. It's I think it's pronounced like Vorwart. 
cool. It's like the umlaut, All right. right? But it just means forward, exclamation point. And, uh, you know, using dialectics, uh, it was, like, critical of utopian socialists, like uh, the League of Just, or the League of the Just, right? Yeah, he was, like, never officially a member, but it was, like, a league of, like, thinkers like Karl Marx that he was, like, pretty critical of. Uh, like this, like, I think he was like made up. I'm not even sure if he actually even existed, but like his name is Max Stirner. I don't know. He made some like silly, like book or something like that. That's like, it's literally no different than like reading Ayn Rand. It's like the same garbage. It's not, not even worth the time. Right. It's fiction that it's pretty much, yeah. Backs up some sort of weird thing. Like it's all about the dystopian claim. Yeah. It's all about the individual is the most important or something like that. It's weird. You gotta look out for number one. Yeah. Right. So there's like basically no difference between that and basically fascism, except I think aesthetics or something. Is aesthetic or aesthetic? It's aesthetic. It's aesthetic, right? It's just aesthetic. It's just aesthetic. 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 If you're Greek. 1844. Your boy. Your boy! Friedrich Engels shows up in his life. Your boy Friedrich Engels on the mic. What's the first thing that they write together? I'm gonna drop some verses that I know you're gonna like. The first thing they write together, 1845, the Holy Family, right? Sounds like, whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, wait, what? what? I thought you Yeah, I thought you were done with I your thought... fucking edgy atheist phase, my dude. Uh, it actually is sarcastic. Oh. Yeah, it's actually... Would you say sarcastic? Nah, it's, um, oh, okay. his friendship with, uh, with Bauer was over. And new friend, new best friend, Angles moved into his life, and they oh, wrote shit. this yeah. drama, um, gay drama. Yeah, right. It was a sarcastic, you know, uh, critique, right, of Marx's former friends, the young Hegelians. Oh shit! He was literally turning his back on like everything that he had done when he was younger, and was like, "Nah, sorry, y'all, I'm moving on." Fuck. Exactly. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like just a literally... hard page turn. Pretty much, yeah. Just like this chapter of my life is over. I no, got really, a new bitch. He got like a lot of backlash from that. Well, I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like he they... fucking quit his band. Yeah. No, fucking he really an- did. Angle's <laughs> Angle showing up being the fucking communist Yoko Ono. Yes. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so, you know, um, what is it? During this time, he was trying to work on his theory of economics, but was always dragged away to edit newspapers or organizing, which I was telling you about before. This is around Draw that porn time. of my ocean. Yeah, this is, like, also around, like, the same time that, like, he's, like, moving around the most, and, like, you know, him and Angles weren't always necessarily living in, like, the same place, and, like, you know, there's, like, literal correspondences. I know, I know how that's, like... There's correspondences between, like, you know, him and Angles, where Angles is, like, trying to talk to him about, like, you know, the conditions in the factory, because, you know... His uh, family owned like a uh, like an industrial factory or something like that. They were industrialists, and so you know, Engels is trying to talk to him about that. And Marxist's response sometimes were just like, you know, hey, that's cool, but they come borrow like two hundred uh, francs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm fucking hungry. Yeah, so uh, can you? Can I'm out of ramen. Yo, can you cash at me, bro? <laughs> can you? Can- yo, can you can you Venmo me, Venmo me like fucking fifty bucks? I gotta get myself some cat food. Yo, I'm trying to get some kielbasa. Help me out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm just trying to get myself some kielbasa, man. 
Help, 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 help brother out. Help brother out. And after that, the economic and phil- philosophical manuscripts, uh, which is like the first like mentions or the fir- the the early beginnings of talking first about first mentions, first mentions, oh, and then mentions uh, well, they were both, of they were both mentions of uh, alienated labor. You know, where uh, people we talked about this in like mm-hmm. the last episode, where people are alienated, you know, from their their natural spirit they're alienated from like you know uh who they truly can be and want to be right by the labor that they are coerced into almost an answer to hegel's sort of like big picture yeah bullshit of like the supreme question yeah of like what do i do what am i here for and yeah. the answer is like Fucking not this. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that, like, you know, Hegel was, like, all about just, like, zeroing in on stuff. Like, even the idea is its own separate thing and not something that's, like, connected to everything. Right. So, um, then he writes uh, the the thesis on Feuerbach, that guy I was telling you about that he was, like, kind of close with. Uh, right. That, like, taught him a lot of stuff in, like, college, right? That he just kind of stayed out in the woods. He was actually, like, a really weird guy. Yeah. Um philosophers have only interpreted the world the point is to change it shots fired fucking absolutely criticized and condemns an entire yeah field of study yeah like shots fired on an entire field of study shots fired on like everybody he was close with it was you know there back in the in the day when he was getting drunk you know and now mm-hmm. he's like taking shit seriously and you know i can relate yeah and now it's just like sorry fuck y'all i gotta move on to bigger and better things don't take it personally strictly business nothing personal see ya so after that the uh prussian king hasn't booted from france cool <laughs> dig it yeah where are we going now uh, on our globe-trotting Karl Marx atheist edgelord adventure. To Brussels for, like, I think, like, less than a year where he meets up with, like, a bunch of people. And, like, this is also throughout this whole time, like, Jenny is with him. I was Jenny is ask. with him. And they're, like, co-living with a bunch of different people, right? Um, and I think they even had, like, a couple kids that, like, you know... They don't really talk about, yeah, there's not a whole lot of discussion of, like, what the living situation was with Carl and his, like, six kids. By the way, if you read that book, like, Carl and Jenny, it, like, they have, like, a couple kids that pass away just throughout this. Yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, But, you know, they stay strong because, like, ride or die. Ride or die. Ride or die. And then from Brussels to England, and that's where he meets the Charterists. Yeah, they're the Chartists. Chartists, not the Charterists. It's Chartists. The Chartists. Okay. Yeah, which is a movement that, like, honestly, before this, like, I had heard very little of, but, like, you know, they were trying to organize themselves into, like, you know, kind of uh, almost like a labor party sort of thing. Right. Right. But we're not here to talk about the Chartists. Um, and after that, you know, I, I think, like, the last thing before he goes in that 13-year uh, kind of hiatus to work on other stuff, uh, he releases the German ideology, which is his break from idealism, right? That kind of utopian, like, you know, ideal society, completely separate from the material world. Because, like, as he gets older and older, the more that he studies, the more that he writes, the more that he organizes, you know, the more that he sees, right? Um, it becomes less and less about the ideal the ideal, and more and more about the material and what's happening in the world around them. And uh, from England, 
right? He also got elected to the, oh, what did I do with that? You know, uh, he, yeah, in England, I believe he starts working for the New York Tribune. There was like, you know, a little while there where like, uh, he's like just basically doing newspaper articles. Right, right. Uh, and the New York Tribune was one of them. And uh, as soon as they were like, you know, nope, we don't care about abolition. You know, we're all for just like the North and South, just piecing it, you know, together, just getting back together, whether or not slavery is a thing. And Carl is just like, all right. Peace. I'm not writing for you anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not doing it. I mean, and he was barely getting paid well for it, anyways. Um, by 1864, right, he's elected to the International Working Men's Association. And that's a lot of times just like abbreviated or referred to as the First International. Okay. Right. And when we get into other topics about, like, you know, the history of socialism and communism. The the fourth international is going to be the spicy one, but uh, mm. yeah, this is the first big one. This is the one where like you know he kind of just shows up with a bunch of pamphlets on like anarchy's dumb. <laughs> um, yeah. Fuck you. Exactly, you're wrong, and here's why. Uh, and he was elected to the general council, and then uh, that seat, you know, uh, the 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 leadership positions were all like you know they moved it to the city where every idea goes to die, New York. Ah. Yeah, so, uh, and then, like, you know, from London to New York, yeah, well, yeah, it went to, like, that. And then uh, 1859, uh, a contribution to the critique of political economy, right, where he advocated, uh, I, I believe, what's his name, Adam Smith? and uh, But a big, bigger part uh, of that was uh, David Riccardio, and he's a big economics guy of the time. And uh, labor theory of value. This is like where he starts like getting into that, right? Uh, and 1867, right? The first volume of Das Kapital. And uh, remember how I was telling you how there's like an unofficial fourth volume of Kapital? Mm-hmm. Um, theories of surplus value is released. Uh, and. Both of these analyzed the capitalist process of production. And that's the last real major work. I mean, he did, like, a couple articles. I'm talking about, like, the Gothic program. You know, he pretty much just talked smack about, like, what France is doing and uh, a couple other things. But that's, like, you know, the real last big thing that he did did before he died. Did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's, and then Chaboy... You know, Went the last the manuscripts like you and... got you got to understand that like you know the the amount of like work that it took to write the amount of stuff that he did the last ten years like he just couldn't do it anymore his health just like mm-hmm. couldn't keep up and like Moving the writing kind of yeah the writing kind of sputtered up you know he lost a little bit of that fire it's kind of like you know there are some people in the world where it's just like when they're on fire like they they just bolt out into the world right you know and, and they're just like a like a fresh breeze on like an autumn day where it's just like oh man yo i got second win i want to go right. and like Karl marx was definitely one of those people where like for the majority of his life it was that second win it was that like you know abominable spirit that like you know just keeps going you know but like the minute like his health started to fail it was just like all right I'm done. I'll write a couple articles here and there, you know, I'll respond yeah, yeah. to a couple letters. He just and didn't stuff. have it in him. I mean, he's only a human being. Yeah. It's a rowdy boy. Rowdy boy. Live too rowdy. 
And I forgot to actually do the math of like how old he was when he died. And let's do birth to death. Birth to death. Born in 1777. Yeah. No, no, born in 18. It, wait, was he born in 1818? And then died in 1898 or something. I think so, because he never actually saw like the Soviet Union. No, he never saw the fruits of his labor. But it wasn't even the fruits of his labor, honestly. Like you know, um, you know, of course he said some like you know questionable things about like and whatever the point is that like he thought that maybe russia would have the ability to skip over the capitalist side of like you know society and just go like straight to socialism Mm -hmm. you gotta understand another big thing about Karl marx is that like you know while he was like doing all this organizing and everything a lot of his writings has like way more to do with economics and way more to do with just analyzing the mode of production rather than how you get there you know, Karl Marx, you know, doesn't talk about imperialism or anything like that. Karl Marx doesn't talk about, like, you know, the 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 steps to get there. He's just pointing you towards the stairway, mm-hmm. you know. He can show you where the staircase is. He can tell you, like, you know, what it should look like, but how to build them, you know, mm-hmm. how to walk them. He doesn't really have a whole lot to, to get there with, and that's why, like, you know, a lot of other revolutionaries that came after him are equally important. Yes, without Granddaddy, Coral, you know, you don't have any of this because they were um, inspired by his writings and they were inspired by his life and his work, but... And his dedication. And his dedication, of course. But, you know... Um, they had a whole lot more to do that, like, you know, he didn't really write around, write about. So, yeah, I, I, I hope that, like, I dropped a few titles that people can get interested in. Yeah. And like I said, if you're going to get interested in Karl Marx and reading Karl Marx, it's, it's going to be an old-timey book, you it, know? It's hard. It's tough. It's thick. And it's dense, but it's Also, rich. like, you know, be careful that, like, you know, when you're getting, like, the abridged version, you're getting the version with, mm-hmm. like, you know, some dude talking about him or something. And it, it, a lot of the times that, like, Barnes and Nobles and stuff, or Amazon, right, they don't have a problem carrying books where it's just literally breaking down this man's ideas, right, and completely misunderstanding them and misconstruing them, like, a lot. So do your research. Yeah. See what's what. Try to get the most direct translation. Yeah. And carry on the fight. Pretty much. Be inspired. You know, if anything, like, I, I, I really wanted to just concentrate on him as a person because I feel like, you know, he's a way more relatable person when you look at, like, what he went through in his life. Like, being. Like as an individual. Yeah, as an individual. You know, from a very early age, he experienced, like, you know, harassment. You know, even his father did, right? Not even being able to, to be an attorney because of his Jewish ancestry. You know, things like that. Um, and that, like, you know, because of his opinions, because they were radical, because they were new, because they were different, and because, like, nobody else was saying the things that he was saying at the time, like, People noticed him. A lot of people noticed him. A lot of people didn't like the things that he was saying, you know? So if you're out there and, like, you know, you feel harassed because, like, you know, you feel a little bit, like, differently than, than everybody else or you feel like you have something to say, don't don't be afraid of being who you are. Don't be, like, you know, knocked back, you know, when people, like, push you out of a space or something, like... 
and I'm sure that like we can all like feel that way. But trust me, like the more I get into like socialism, the more I get into politics, the more I get into like this kind of theory stuff, the harder it is for me not to be like, yo, that's not how it works at all. What are you talking about? In like every setting, right? And like people sometimes don't like what I have to say. Some people want like the they want the cake. They they don't want to hear about like the labor that was involved in making the cake. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think breaking down this person as an individual, as a human being, as a person who is a culmination of their experiences and thoughts and beliefs and identity and all of these things. In a way, Karl Marx's life, much like the life of any artist, is a, is a, a you know a macrocosm of his work. Yeah. You know, like his life informed his work, his work informed his life, and a reading of his life is a Marxist reading. You know, by its very nature, and so looking at the way he was mistreated and alienated and pushed from place to place and that his ideas were being tamped down and affected by the people around him and that his life and work and existing in the world was a materialist existence. The fact that his daughter was part of the birth of realism in theater and that he was present at the time when Abraham Lincoln was there and he and Engels wrote letters and that Napoleon and the French Revolution and all of these things, they all coincided at this, you know, in this one, you know, incredible century, the 19th century in Europe was a wild fucking time and he just was there and it, it affected him and he affected it. And that's, a lot for someone to do and it's he's important he could have very easily just taken the easy way out gone to school for law made a, a bunch of money yeah. yeah like you know inherited the the the, the vineyard right the moselle yeah. vineyard he could have you know just as easily just like swallowed his beliefs and just like you know wrote articles that were praising you know czar czar nicky boy the first or whatever but he took a different path. Took a different path. And inspired generations. So, we hope that you took some inspiration from this little ranty podcast and maybe learned a little something about Chipoy Karl Marx and um, maybe, like me, found some crazy relatable shit in that story. You know, like... Looking at history, you see a bunch of stuffy old white dudes with beards and suits, but, like, honestly, there are so many more people who did a lot more interesting things, and a lot of them were not that dissimilar from us. You know, they fucking fucked up, made mistakes, they didn't like school. (laughs) They They, were rowdy boys. They were rowdy boys, they liked to party, they got drunk and got in fights, they yelled at people over politics. I mean, this is shit we still fucking do, you know? So, like, take another read. You know, take another look. It's in a book. Communist Rainbow. LeVar Burton. Knowledge is power. And power is half the battle. G.I. <laughs> Joe! No! Supremacist heroes. <laughs> um, so, thank you for listening, everybody. And um, if you want to listen to more, we have the Socialism 101 episode. It's our first episode that's all the way, all, all the way up. It's all the way up. It's already out. Um, and we will be releasing another episode next Thursday, 
um, to get back onto schedule. We're sorry that this one was late, but we release every other Thursday. It's okay. It was a lot of material to cover. We we release every uh, every other Thursday on Lunar Light Studio. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ComRadicalPod or follow our personal Twitters. I'm at HeyStews, and you are. I'm Johnny Samivadi at Black Cat Replicant. So, but BLK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, feel free to reach out to us there and talk to us if you have any questions. We're gonna put a lot of links uh, to stuff we mentioned, references and such. Um, down in the description for this video, and so I'm gonna just end this real quick. With a quote, we with end quote. every episode with a quote. With a quote, just trying to find a good. We're one. gonna find a really good quote for you right now, and um, yeah. Also, another thank you to uh, Trans Artist of the Day for sponsoring this episode, uh, and be sure to check out Laura Platt Music at Laura Platt Music. Laura Platt on uh, YouTube and Spotify. Um, they are phenom- or she is a phenomenal musician. Really good stuff. I'm buying time for Johnny to find a quote. All right, hang on, hang on. How's this sound? Labor is the source of all wealth, the political economists assert, and it really is the source, next to nature, which supplies it with the material that converts into wealth. But it is even infinitely more than this. It is the prime basic condition for all human existence. And this is to such an extent, in a sense, we have to say that labor created man himself. Friedrich Engels. And as always, seize the means. Stay calm, radical. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.